0: He is risen. He's alive. See his hands. See his feet. Touch his scars and believe. He is risen. He is risen. He's alive. Up. Take this love. Can you feel it rising up? He is here. He is here. Oh, he's alive.
1: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship at Fusion this morning on this beautiful Easter sunny morning. We're so glad that you've joined us here in person as well as online. Welcome. And now I invite you to stand and participate in a call and response that's been happening for generations. So feel free to respond back enthusiastically. Here we go. He is risen.
0: He is risen
1: indeed. Amen. At this time, I invite you to greet one another with the peace of Christ.
2: Angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see.
1: Amen. Let's sing praises to our risen Lord this morning.
0: I love in my Rested, my life began. X was redeemed.
2: but because of his great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved.
3: Good morning, everyone. So good to see you. Happy Easter. I just want to thank Sarah. Sarah puts so much thought into these worship sets and thinks about the message and the scripture and works with JB on that. And uh, it just was again this morning, my appreciation for her. So thanks again, Sarah. You bet. All right. Well, we get to bless the kiddos and the kiddos bless us in return. So I think through third grade, right, Becky? Through third grade today, y'all just make your way to the door. If you're staying in worship today, maybe your fourth grade, fifth grade, or just hanging out with your parents, you're part of this blessing too, right? So uh, you've got a part, and even from where you're sitting, then uh, bless us, we pray. All right. Adults, you know the, you know the rule. It's up there. Let's say it together. The Lord be with you. All right, bless you. (laughs) Have a great morning. Oh, my, how lovely is that? Okay, let's pray together. We're going to start with Psalm 118. And with this song, with this prayer, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this. And it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Lord, your love endures forever. There was that moment, certainly, the disciples were watching They ran. You died. And it seemed like it was dark. It was the end. And in fact, it was. You even said it, it is finished. What was finished was all that had to be paid. And Lord, we know that because we're on this side of the empty tomb. Yes, that was finished. But your love endures forever. And we are here today, Lord, to celebrate together, to worship you, to say it again. You are risen. You are Lord. Your love endures forever. It's that moment, Lord, which confirmed for us and confirms for us every day, every gathering here, that we're more than just flesh and blood. You've called us in your relationship, in relationship with you, because there is more to us than what our world might actually like us to believe. You invite us, Lord, to engage in spirit, in relationship with you, to know you beyond flesh and blood, to know that there's hope beyond the crises and challenges and hardships that we face here on earth. When we might be threatened to give up hope or we might feel that what's the point? You remind us again and your resurrection is in our heart, our mind, our ears. He is risen, yes. There is life beyond the grave. There is life beyond this struggle that we might face here. And Lord, looking around this room, we are each testimonies to each other that through hard things, there is hope, there's life, there's meaning. That stone was rolled away, you rose. In you, there's life. And so our prayer today, Lord, is that you will remind us anew of that hope of your life in us, for us, through us. And that you promise that these bodies, though they may go into the grave, will rise like yours. That you promise that whatever challenges we might face, that there is hope beyond that. And so for those, Lord, here today who are facing big things, struggles, physical, emotional, mental struggles, relationship struggles, Lord, we pray that you will remind us all of hope and that, and be a testimony for each other. We pray this, Lord, on a grand scale globally that this world, which belongs to you, is not outside of your glance, of your view, that in spite of the hardships that are here, we trust that you are moving all of these things forward history moving forward to that day when you will come again and all of this will be finished certainly we pray for our government our society our place in it and though there's some there's antagonism against you and against the faith that you will enable us to not be faint to hold firm, to know firmly who you call us to be and to testify to your love and your grace, your mercy and hope. We long for the day, Lord, when all of this is finished, when that image in the scriptures, when the lion will lay down with the lamb, all that conflict, all the brokenness, all the antagonism will be at peace. So we pray for an end to all war, all discord, all brokenness and we live in that hope that one day yes so lord as we wait let us celebrate in your resurrection and know that you have us and you've given us life forgiveness grace your mercy be with jb today as he brings the message just help us to hear anew the message of the gospel, your life for us, and forgiveness in you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you, Andrew.
2: And good morning, church. Good morning. morning. He is risen. risen Did you notice the exclamation points? He is risen. risen That's good. That's good. It is uh, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day. It is also the end of spring break. So welcome back for those of you who went away for a little while. And I don't know about you, but like yesterday seemed like the beginning of spring cleaning. Anyone else do some spring cleaning in their yard? Anyone else like hamstrings are just aching right now? Just me? I'm the only one. Okay. Uh, My name is Pastor JB. If you're a visitor, a guest, um, a friend, family, just wanna offer a a warm welcome. And uh, our prayer is that you experience... Um, the the life that is found in Jesus Christ through the community of faith and uh, join us after the service we're gonna have some donuts and some coffee and some fellowship time uh, through those doors um, after the service I know there's some lunches and hams to get to but hey let's hang out for a little bit and celebrate together uh, real quick let's just we're finding our place if you are a visitor we've just to, to kind of help you catch up Since September, we've been in a series of messages uh, working our way through the grand narrative of Scripture. We've been using this helpful little resource called The Story, which takes NIV texts and arranges them in chronological order with some beautiful summaries. Uh, Beginning in March, we entered into the Gospels, or or the biographies of Jesus, the New Testament. And and in March, March, we looked at each of the four Gospels, and we took one week looking at each of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then last week, if you remember, last week was Palm Sunday, and kind of the liturgical calendar, the church calendar, if you will. And we remembered... uh, Jesus entering into Jerusalem, right, riding in on a donkey. We remembered that the story in all four Gospels significantly slowed down in this last week of Jesus' life. Uh, anywhere from a quarter to a half of each of the Gospels are, are take place in the last week of Jesus' life. And last week we remembered the triumphal entry, but we also remembered. do you remember, how, how all 12 of the disciples, the apostles, deserted Jesus? We remembered last week that, that Peter... One of the three in the inner kind of circle denied and disowned Jesus. Said, I, I never knew, I don't know the man. And then Judas betrayed Jesus. We remembered all that last week. And Jesus, as we remembered on Thursday, Maundy Thursday, we had a service here in this space on Monday Thursday, kind of a Maundy Thursday, Good Friday. We remembered where that week would end. Where our Lord Jesus, suffering, alone, forsaken, accused by the religious, executed by the state, suffering and dying on a cross. And If you remember last week, I mentioned that, that our guide for this final week of Jesus' life was going to be Mark, the gospel according to Mark, the John Mark, the author of Mark's gospel. Uh, on this Resurrection Day, we're going to continue to allow Mark to share the good news of Jesus Christ's resurrection from the dead. Uh, But before we step into his resurrection account uh, this Easter, just a a few things to keep in mind. Um, Remember when we studied Mark, he's he's concise, like short and and, and to the point. So remember that, that'll become evident. Um, But also remember as we read this story from Mark 16, um, that this is not the only account, of Easter Sunday. The story continues where Mark leaves off, and you'll quickly see why Mark is not your typical go-to Easter text, uh, but it is still part of the canon and a beautiful text. And so we're going to read Mark chapter 16 verses 1 through 8. If you're willing, if you're able, I invite you to stand as we honor God, as God speaks to us through his word. Uh, Mark 16 verses 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? And when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Lord, this morning in the songs that we sang together, in the prayers that we prayed in one, with one heart, And now, Lord, in your word, as we hear you speak, Lord, testify to the reality and the truth of our resurrected Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray that that reality would continue to form us and shape us, not only this morning on Easter Sunday, but Lord, as we go from here into this world that you've called us to love and serve. We pray all this in Jesus' name. God's people say, amen and amen. Any uh, anyone else a big movie fan? Any any movie fans? kind of kind of what we do a lot of people we w- like to watch movies uh, for us as a family one of our favorite things to do I've, I've shared this before but but we as a family or Yvonne and I as a couple we, we love to cuddle up on the couch and, and put a movie on the big screen and um, often it's kind of a big deal I, I don't know about for you but like who gets to pick the movie it can kind of become like a little bit of an ordeal like the kids are kind of uh, we got this great thing Emmy will pick out two movies that she wants to see and let Bryson pick one of them so then we don't avoid all fighting it's a great strategy you can borrow that. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, but the other thing, when Yvonne and I are watching a movie, um, when it comes time to pick, f- full disclosure, when I pick a movie, uh, it doesn't always go well. Um, I pick a movie, it's usually a drama or a story, or as you see, like one that's won some awards. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but a lot of the movies that have won awards, they're they're just weird. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Amen. Yeah, they're just kind of weird, you know? They're they have just kind of this weird storyline, and, and one of the things that can kind of make or break a movie is, as the screen says, the ending, right? Have you ever been watching a movie, and you're like, wow, this is an incredible movie, and then all of a sudden, you get to the ending, and it's like, huh? You know, like, that didn't resolve anything, you know, like, what's going on? Um, and, and, and confession here, me, and, but especially Yvonne, you know, we like when movies have happy endings, you know, hey, that's, we like when the movies, like we're here escaping reality, we like when the movies end, out, end well. Like we want a happy ending, we want the good guys to, 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 things work out, we want the bad guys to suffer. That was a little harsh, but yeah, we want the ending to end well, right? We don't want to leave sad. And so there was this movie that came out like 25 years ago, almost to the date, and it was a good movie, but the ending was just depressing, like, it was hard, and, 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 and maybe I should have seen that coming. Do you know what movie I'm talking about? Titanic? <laughs> yeah. I, and I get it. Like, the boat sank, and we knew that was coming. But do you remember the storyline of the movie Titanic? Titanic? It kind of involve this kind of love affair with with Rose, who's kind of part of the upper class, and then Jack, who's kind of part of the riffraff on the bottom of the boat. And so the story kind of continues, and, and Rose and Jack kind of have this love affair for like 60 hours. But then the, the the boat does sink, right? Yeah, it's not a long one, but the boat sinks, and now they're in the water, and she's on this gigantic armoire, like floating, and he's freezing to death in the water. like. Just scoot over, Rose. <laughs> like, just give him some room. There's another part of the movie, too, though, that, um, do you remember the, 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 the story is framed where, like, there's these people with, like, these submarines and, like, this million-dollar expedi- expedition? You remember this? And they have these, like, underwater submarines, and they're, they're looking at, the, at, the, at this, the Titanic at the bottom of the ocean. You remember what they're looking for? This diamond necklace, the heart of the ocean, this gigantic, that's why they're spending millions and millions of dollars to find this giant, priceless diamond necklace. And they find this drawing, and it's rose, and she has it, so they track her down, they fly her by helicopter onto the middle of the ocean on this boat and so, so that she could go and retell this 60-hour love affair story or whatever it is, right? Why? Because they want to find the diamond. Do you remember what happens? The movie ends, and she's standing on the edge of the boat and she's got the stinking diamond, and she just throws it in the ocean. What? Like, these poor explorers have invested millions and millions of dollars. She doesn't even give them the courtesy of letting them know what happens, and then she kind of goes to heaven, and who does she spend the rest of her life with and kind of the the image of heaven on the Titanic? Not like the man who, like, helped her raise her children. No, Jack, the 60-hour affair. Anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah, you got, I, I think 25 years later, spoiler, I'm, I'm safe there. All that little kind of ridiculous rant is, is endings are pretty pivotal, right? Um, it can kind of make or break a movie. Um, and, and from, like, the movie has to land a certain way. And I'll joke in I actually I actually like the Titanic. So if you're mad at me for that, I actually like the movie Titanic. Um, but can we get back to our text and think about endings, and when I w- finished reading Mark's account of the resurrection, can we just be brutally honest about something? When we read what l- scholars largely agree is is the end of the original Mark's gospel, what Mark actually wrote, we kind of thought after verse 8 like well Mark, that's kind of a strange place to end. Anyone maybe you don't want to raise your hand for that. We're kind of like, well Mark, you missed some stuff, right? Like some more stuff happens where you left off and what I want to do is just kind of hold on to that kind of tension you maybe are feeling, wondering uh, about this ending of Mark, because what I I hope is that by the end of our time this morning, you'll have a different conclusion about Mark's gospel. Um, But to get there, what I want to do is just kind of consider the events of that first Easter morning through Mark's perspective. And and Mark offers this perspective through the perspective of, of three women, right? And so let's consider the experiences of these three women uh, kind of framed this way. First, let's talk about their expectations of what they were expecting. Then we'll talk about what they actually did encounter. And then we'll talk about how they experienced that in the moment. So let's begin with expectations versus kind of one through four to kind of frame this. All the details Mark gives us in these chapters reveal quite clearly that these women were not expecting, they were not expecting to come to an empty tomb. Mark 16, verse 1 opens this way. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. These women were going to prepare Jesus' body for an appropriate first century Jewish burial, right? Right? And so they waited till the Sabbath was over at sundown on Saturday night. They went to the market. They bought the spices and the perfumes. And then the very next morning, Sunday morning, first light, they got up and they went to the tomb to to anoint Jesus' body with perfumes and spices. This was both the the way you honor those that you love, but it was also very practical, right? The women uh, are, are, are simply going to anoint Jesus' body. This is not the first time we're actually introduced to these three women. Uh, if, if, if you were following along, or we're not following along, but Mark 15, we are actually introduced to these three women in Mark 15, verse 40, because these women were there when Jesus died. Mark 15, verse 40. This is immediately after Jesus' death. We read this, verse 40. Some women were watching from a distance, referring to the crucifixion of Jesus. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. So what is Mark telling us? That these women witnessed the death of Jesus on a cross. And not only that, but they were among a group of women who had been following him in Galilee throughout his ministry, caring for his needs. In other words, these were were disciples of Jesus. There's the 12 apostles, but there were many other disciples that followed Jesus during his earthly ministry, and these women were among them. And now they had followed Jesus into Jerusalem. If you remember from last week, the 12 apostles, what happened before Jesus died? They deserted him. They ran off. These women are there, okay? It's worth noting. And then we read, after verse 41, we read that there is this member of the Jewish council, Joseph of Arimathea. He requests Jesus' body from Pilate. Pilate's surprised that Jesus was already dead, so he sends a centurion to go check on the body. The centurion comes back, reports that he was dead. He gives the body to Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph wraps Jesus' body, puts him in a tomb, and then rolls a giant stone against the entrance. We read all of that in Mark chapter 15, and then we get to verse 47, and we read this. Mary Magdalene and the Mary, mother of Joseph saw where he was laid so these women witnessed the death the crucifixion of Jesus and these women had just witnessed Joseph of Arimathea where he placed Jesus body now remember Mark who is concise almost to a fault has just spent a lot of words explaining all about Jesus death and his burial and and these women as witnessed both the death and burial like like why is he why is he continuing the story well, because the story's not over yet, right? He's building to an ending, and that ending is the resurrection. Mark is building up to the resurrection that something that no one expected, these women including, included. These women were prepared to anoint Jesus' dead body, but they were not prepared for what they discovered, an empty tomb and an angel standing at the right, or sitting at the right side of where the body would be. And why? Because resurrection was not a reasonable outcome. Resurrection was not a reasonable outcome for them. Jesus maybe had been telling them over and over. Mark gives accounts in chapter 8, 9, and 10. This is what's going to happen. But even then, they could not wrap their minds around the resurrection of Jesus after they had witnessed him brutally crucified on a cross. It's important for us to just pause and recognize that the idea of resurrection, the the idea, the, the idea, the truth, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, has become so familiar for so many of us, because we've grown up with it. But, but from an imminent framework you remember Pastor Bill talking about imminent, the imminent frame from an imminent framework, So a flat, kind of earthly, purely logical, scientific-based framework, resurrection's not reasonable. Because in all of our experience, dead things do not come back to life from this flat framework, right? And friends, even on Easter, it's important to recognize the resurrection is not an easy thing to grasp or to believe. It wasn't for these women in this moment, but it also wasn't easy for the disciples. They doubted, like, it just blew all kind of para- any kind of paradigm that they had about the Messiah. And the same is true for many people today. It's simply beyond reason, it's beyond science, it's beyond pure human comprehension, that kind of imminent frame. Resurrection from the dead? That doesn't happen. And so even on this Easter Sunday, like, if you know someone, someone that you love, who's struggling with, with believing in the resurrection, or maybe you are wrestling with that, like, you're not alone. And, and this is a safe place to, to wrestle with that and to wonder and to ask questions. Like, I'd love to have that conversation. Let's continue in the story. Mark would continue his account of this day, his ending, if you will. And and even though it was not their expectation that morning, this is what they would encounter. Mark continues, the women arrive at the tomb, right? The large stone has been rolled away. They enter the tomb and they're greeted by a young man dressed in a white robe. Now, the other gospel authors fill in the blanks. Mark doesn't use this word, but it's an angel Right, an angel, and they're greeted by this angel who says, "Don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go and tell the disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you." Notice what the angel gives to the women. The women encounter this angel, and he offers them both evidence and an explanation. First, the evidence. The angel points out the evidence that's before them. It's obvious, but the angel points it out and draws their attention to the fact that the tomb is empty. Remember, the very tomb that the women saw, Jesus' body being placed by Joseph of Arimathea, they witnessed it, and his body is no longer there. Jesus' dead body, the body that they saw brutally tortured hanging on a cross, Jesus' body is not in the tomb. They saw his body being placed. The evidence is there before them. And now it brings all kinds of questions. How do you make sense of what has just happened? And that's when the, when the angel offers an explanation of the evidence. Beautifully, simply, memorably, he has risen. He is not here. Jesus has risen from the dead. Jesus was crucified and buried and and you know that much, right? But the angel reminds them that this is what Jesus has been saying. Just as he had said over and over, the son of man would suffer and die and three days later rise again. This is what he's been saying. He is risen. But there's something else the angel explains. It's so easy to miss, but the angel explains the impact of what this resurrection actually means. It happens so quickly, it's, almost, it's easy to almost miss it. The angel explains the impact. The angel commands the women to go, and she includes something, again, that we maybe think are, is redundant except for what we remembered last week. Let me read it. Go on, but go. Tell his disciples... And Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Go, tell his disciples, and Peter. And Peter. That's not there for redundancy, that's for impact. Last week we remembered Peter, right? Peter the denier, Peter, the disciple who disowned Jesus. Peter, the failure, the screw-up. Peter, the one who disqualified himself as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Peter, who might at this moment be, be making his way back to Galilee to return to fishing because he's no longer worthy to be a disciple. That Peter. And in those two words, and Peter, Mark reminds us powerfully of God's grace. The grace that is found in the resurrection of Jesus, the fact that the resurrection, the fact that that Christ is risen, Christ is risen indeed, absolutely changes everything. The angel presents the evidence, offers explanation of what happened, and now explains how it absolutely changes everything, even for one like Peter who said, I don't even know that man, Jesus. The resurrection means that sin and death are overcome. They're no longer an obstacle because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished on the cross, that death and sin has been defeated in Jesus Christ's resurrection. Christ is there. his, His healing, his redemption, his hope is there for all people, even the Peters, like you and me. Now, again, in the weeks ahead, we're going to remember that the story will continue. The other gospel writers speak more detail about the events that would follow. That is good news. We're, we talk about that every week. In fact, uh, some ways, what, what the angel did in these two verses and what the angel said is kind of what, what we try to do every Sunday, right? To testify to the evidence that Jesus Christ is alive and to explain what that means for each and every one of us, even 2,000 years later, right? Right? And and if we think about evidence, um, and I sent some of this in the email this week, if you want to get on the email list, please do, but there is actually compelling evidence that the resurrection of Jesus was a historical fact, something that happened in history. One of the big ones is the fact that all four gospels place women as the first witnesses. And you have to understand that in the ancient world, this was seen as a huge problem, Right? Because in the ancient world, women were seen as unreliable witnesses. Uh, One ancient writer, Celsus, says, they're they're hysterical, you can't trust their witness. Now, is that true? No, don't answer. Of course that's not true. But because we scoff at that, what was actually a huge problem in the ancient world actually becomes a, a huge proof that this is exactly what happened. Because let me ask you this, if you were the early apostles and and you had had stolen Jesus' body and you hid it and and you came up with this huge lie that, that Jesus had risen from the dead, why would you put women as the first witnesses? You wouldn't make that up. The most reasonable explanation is that's exactly what happened. And not only that, but this movement would spread and change the course of human history. And if the disciples had hidden or stolen the body like Those 12 apostles, almost all but one, died for their belief that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. You don't die for a lie. You don't die for a legend. There is is good evidence that makes sense of what actually happened in human history. And each Sunday, what do we do? We we, we testify that Jesus is, is risen, that Jesus is alive, and we testify and explain how this will change and can change your life forever and ever because by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus continues to walk with us. Jesus came, died, rose again to give us the gift of salvation, which is a gift we'll experience someday, but it's also a gift that we can experience even today. And every Sunday, we, we, we testify to that fact, right? Mark's story continues. So far, so good, right? Mark's account is, is sounding promising. He, he just needs to stick the landing, right? End the gospel account with all those Easter accounts that we know and love. Mary Magdalene encountering Jesus, the, the upper room, and Thomas, and, and Peter being reinstated. Like, like just land this thing, Mark, right? But instead, Mark's gospel ends his account earlier and in a different place because Mark is, is okay with uncertainty and his disciples wrestling and, and being human, right? This is where Mark... These women hear this incredible news that Jesus is risen, he is alive, and they're given this command from the angel to tell the disciples, and this is what Mark tells us, trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Trembling, bewildered, confused, literally the Greek says beside themselves, and they run away afraid. I just encourage you to just hold off on any kind of disappointment or even judgment there. Consider with me for a moment what these women have just experienced. They were going to a tomb to prepare a dead body. Instead, they find the tomb empty and sitting at the tomb is a young boy. Is he an angel? I'm not sure. But he's saying Jesus is risen and is on his way to Galilee. Now, can we just admit that that would have been a lot to take in? Amen. That's an incredibly bewildering thing to try to process and wrap your mind around it. And so how they respond in that moment, in that moment, how they respond makes perfect sense. Fear, confusion, run away. Again, it's not the only gospel account. The other gospel writers will fill in what happened next after this moment. They do share the news. They share the story with the other apostles and the whole world changes moving forward. But that's not where Mark ends his gospel account. Now I'll be the first to admit, I I said this much in the beginning, right? I love a happy ending. I love when the the plot is resolved. I love when when people are redeemed, when things are, are wonderful, when good things happen to the good people and all that thing, all that, right? So there's a big part of me who's longing for resolution in this gospel account that prefers and would much rather be considering Matthew's account or Luke's account or John's account on this Easter Sunday morning. But here's what I think. Is where I think Mark's ending is actually brilliant. It's real. It's real life. Because sometimes, for a variety of reasons, we we come to an Easter Sunday service, and you know what? Quite frankly, it's not all good. Like life is is not all Easter lilies and Easter baskets and glazed honey hams or whatever, right? Candy if you're a kid, right? Well, the reality is so often we we step into this space, even on Easter Sunday, and life is hard. And there's some of us this morning where, where life is hard and bewildering and terrifying. And if we're honest, we feel like like running away because maybe relationships that are broken or loss we've experienced or, or uncertainty about the future, we're just terrified. Or maybe sometimes there's there's those that come to Easter service and, 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 and just struggling to believe that this is true. Or maybe someone you love dearly is struggling to believe that this is true, that Jesus Christ is risen. And the brilliance of Mark is that Mark reminds us through these women that this is part of the journey of faith. Your life does not have to be resolved with a happy ending to hear the good news or to receive the good news of the gospel, the gospel that tells us that God loves you, that Jesus Christ died for you, and that he rose from the grave. Conquering sin and death and all that that means, it means life both now and forever. And sometimes the reality of that that has changed the world is hard to grasp. It's hard to believe. It's hard to celebrate. And that's okay because faith is a journey. It's not a moment. And we want you to be making that journey together no matter where you're at in that journey. As we close, here's one more thing I just want you to notice. Notice with me where we're at in the story of that first Sunday. Mark ends his account immediately after these women uh, have seen the evidence. They've heard the explanation from this young man who's an angel uh, who's testifying uh, to them what has occurred. Yes, they're terrified, they're bewildered, they, they run. But what has not happened yet? Do you remember what they haven't yet encountered? These women have not yet encountered the risen, living, flesh and blood Jesus. Mark hints at it. You will see him just as he told you. But the women have not yet encountered the risen Jesus. And this is when everything changes for them and everyone else. A real encounter with the living, risen Lord Jesus. And friends, I, I, can, I can share and I can give you evidence of why we can see Jesus' resurrection as a historical fact. I can offer explanations about what that means for your life. But, but I can't take you and, and, and in my own strength make you have an encounter with the living Jesus. That's the Spirit's work. But what does Jesus say? Seek, ask, and you will find, right? You see, there are these these moments in our earthly experience where that distance between heaven and earth seems to narrow. There are these moments when, when the divine seems to break into our reality here on earth. Some have called those thin places. Other word for that would be transcendence, right? The imminent frame, transcendence, God's presence breaking into our reality. And, friends, one of the places that that we believe that this happens is at this table. We believe that when we, when we gather here, Jesus Christ is present by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's mysterious. We don't, we don't quite understand how it all works, but we do know that for 2,000 years, followers of Jesus Christ have been gathering around tables that maybe look like this, but probably look like a lot of other kind of tables, and have been breaking bread and pouring out a cup, remembering what Jesus Christ did and all that he accomplished and remembering that Jesus Christ rose from the grave, he conquered death, and in this meal we have a foretaste of what that means, that we will spend eternity with our Lord Jesus. And so the invitation, the invitation this morning is to come. Come and and have an encounter with the living, risen Lord who promises to meet us in our time of need. So wherever you're at this morning, step forward in faith, even if it's just a little bit, to receive the gift of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Will you join me as we pray and prepare our hearts? Lord God, we thank you for the resurrection. We thank you, Lord, that this reality has absolutely changed everything. When we reflect back on 2,000 years of of human history, Lord, we see how the resurrection of Jesus changed everything and how a band of, of 12 apostles and disciples grew to become a movement that would sweep the globe. And Lord we recognize also that that it changes everything as we think about our own lives and Lord we just pause and we reflect on on our lives and and we remember those moments in our life when Lord Jesus you were near we remember those those moments maybe when we were young or a little bit older where where maybe it was, it was through the, the gift of the body of Christ, Lord, that, that your presence and your love and your peace and your hope and your grace was made evident to us. But Lord, we also gather to remember that when you were with your disciples on that final night, Lord God, you, you gave them and you gave to us this, this physical sign, this physical remembrance of, of physical bread and, and juice or wine, Lord, that reminds us of this spiritual reality that by the power of the Spirit, you are here with us. So prepare our hearts, Lord, as we partake together in your body in your blood. We pray this, in Christ's name, Amen. Uh, just a, a couple of instructions uh, this morning. Uh, we're gonna, we're actually gonna do three stations this morning um, because we got a full group, which is great. And uh, and so you can come down the side aisles here. We're also gonna have a, a third station up front, right at the center. Um, uh, you can take a piece of bread, take uh, the cup, uh, partake here at the table, or take it back to your seat. Um, there are some trash receptacles to. Uh, discard of the cup, um, but as you come, hear the words of invitation that we'll be singing, and know that this invitation comes from from Jesus Christ Himself, who is the host of this supper, and may you receive His grace in this moment. Let's remember the events of that final night with his disciples. Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. After giving thanks to God, he he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant sealed in my blood. Shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink of it, do this in remembrance of me. Friends, we come and we receive the bread and we receive the cup because Jesus Christ has done all that was required to offer a complete forgiveness of all of your sins. Come, for all things are now ready. Invite our servers to come forward first. stretch we celebrate today is the truth that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. I didn't really set you up. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Where we left off in Mark's account, Matthew picks up the story. And so as you go from here, hear what Matthew testifies happens after the the women flee from the tomb. In Matthew 28, Verse eight, he writes, so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid. yet also filled with joy and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him. They clasped his feet and they worshiped him. And then Jesus said, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So after they end this encounter with the living Jesus, everything changed. And our prayer, as we continue to, to see everyone join in the journey of being found informed by and following Jesus, it's a journey. Our prayer is that we are on that journey and that we will walk with one another no matter where we find ourselves on that journey. That's our commitment to one another, amen. And so as you go from here, receive this blessing. Don't forget to get some donuts or otherwise I'm gonna to have to eat them all. That will be bad. Get some donuts, some coffee before you head out for lunch, um, but receive uh, this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Amen. Go in the life of Jesus.
0: Oh